Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome to episode number 45 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by EIEIO Marketing. Facebook advertising does not have to be stressful and overwhelming, not when you have a former Facebook employee in your corner. If your business is looking for a reputable agency to manage your Facebook ads, visit EIEIOMarketing.com and reach out for a free consultation today. When you think about your Facebook marketing strategy, always remember EIEIO, where their name isn't just cute. It represents the ideal Facebook strategy. Engage, interact, educate, influence, and optimize. And now for today's guest. She has been named the next generation's thought leader in parenting and women's leadership. Her mission is to crack women open to their deep potential and help them understand and decode their child's behavior. She's a TEDx speaker and has been featured on the OWN Network, Huffington Post, TV outlets, and more. With wit and wisdom, she inspires a global community of women to take back control of their lives and evolve how they lead, work, play, and parent. Let's welcome the creator of the Mom is in Control podcast, Heather Chauvin. Hey, Heather. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so excited, Megan. Thank you. No, I'm I'm thrilled. I can't wait to dive into energetic time management. It just sounds exciting. Yeah. So I always get jazzed about these conversations. One, because I feel like podcasting in general is this underground world, right? I find people who listen to podcasts, being a podcaster, it's like, these are the people who are forward thinking. So yeah, I love these conversations and energetic time management is my jam. And they definitely do not talk about this in mainstream culture. So start with the basics. What does it mean? (laughs) Okay. So traditionally people say, I'm like, what do you want? Right. I always, I work with a lot of very ambitious women there. Um, my, my whole brand is called mom is in control. So, um, it's about women wanting to feel in control of their life. And I'm like, okay, great. What are you struggling with? And they always say time management, right? So Trish traditionally just like time management and balance. Those are like trigger terms Mm -hmm. for me. And I'm like, okay, but what is it about time? Like, I just have way too much. I have way too much on my plate. I don't know what to do. I'm like, great. Let's put that aside. You know, put all those books aside, put like the time clock, all of that away. How do you want to feel in your life? So Danielle Laporte, if anyone knows who Danielle Laporte is, she has the desire map. And I know other people teach this stuff too, but for whatever reason, I really held on to it when she spoke about it. She said, it's not the thing you're after, it's the feeling, right? So nine out of 10, well, probably a hundred percent of the time, people typically become business owners or self-employed for freedom, 
Why, you know, why'd you get in business? Oh, time freedom, financial freedom, right? I wanted to do it on my own terms. I wanted this sense of freedom. Great. How do we translate the essence of freedom into our everyday to-do list? Because that's, that's a real issue, right? Right. And that's what energetic time management is, is how do you want to energetically feel? So I want to feel alive, strong, energized. So are my daily actions in alignment with that? Is my schedule planned out in alignment with how I want to feel? That totally makes sense. And like you said, it's not rocket science. It's just, it's counterintuitive to what we've been taught about time management. So it's identifying how you want to feel and then planning your day to ensure that you feel that way throughout the day consistently. Yes. Yeah. So what happened was I started working with people one-on-one, right? And I'm, I'm asking them this and they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, uh, well, I'll show you my system, right? So then I kind of created my own little PDF and system and Literally, it's like one of those things. Um, well, I'll tell a backstory, but it's one of those things that I do every single week. And now it's just my go to of am I in alignment with how I want to feel? Right. So it's been a long day for me. Like I just said to you, it's, it's, we're recording this. It's like the last thing I need to do on my Thursday, which is like my Friday. So I'm actually excited because I feel <laughs> like I have the weekend tomorrow. But um, I know that I've been coaching all day and I'm kind of like a little fatigued. So, I'm not going to knock off 10 more things on my to-do list just because I quote unquote have a space of time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my kids, my three boys, and we're going to like go outside and go swimming. And I'm going to make sure that my cell phone is not with me. And I'm just being, being present because I've asked myself, what do I need? Right. Rather than getting back to every single text message or calling all the people back or whatever it is, it's like setting that boundary for the life that I want to be living. And the cell phone is a big thing for you, right? You mentioned leaving your cell phone inside. Yeah. So for me, that's like a vice, right? Like if you have a bowl of candy somewhere, you're going to be sitting there picking at it. So the cell phone is a big thing for me that um, I just don't want it near me all the time. And it annoys people because I'm not, I don't respond all the time, but I'm like, guys, we used to have like a phone in the house. <laughs> and, and guess what? If you called... And I didn't answer, you could leave a voice message and then I would have to listen to it and call you back. And that took a really long time. So it's just, we teach people how to treat us. And so I'm trying to condition people and they've learned, but conditioning them that, you know, I'm living on my terms. I'm not living on the terms that you want me to be living on. And that's what I was going to ask next is what kind of a pushback have you gotten from your friends, your family? your loved ones who, like you said, have been conditioned by the convenience of technology to expect those immediate responses or even your clients. Like, do you have that issue with people that you work with that want an immediate reply back? No, the way I've set up my business, one, they can't text me. So I use, we'll use apps like Voxer or WhatsApp or something where we have like our little forum and they know I have office hours. So it's like nine to five, Monday through Friday or whatever. And I tell them, I typically look at it once in the morning and once in the evening. So I'll check it at 9am and I'll check it before I'm gone for the day. Um, And my job is not crisis intervention. Like if, if your house is on fire, call 911, right? So oftentimes your brain, especially in the industry that I work with people, 
trying to understand their children and trying to like, you know, there's a lot of emotional intelligence that happens of what I teach. So people will get afraid and they're like, I need to solve this problem now. And I'm like, no, you don't. This is not, you're not being chased by a lion right now. You, you just need to calm down and breathe and do the work, implement the tools and strategies that you've been taught and, um, and rinse and repeat the process. So Part of this is going back four and a half years ago. I know you um, you watched the TED Talk that I did, which was called mm-hmm. Dying to Be a Good Mother. But four and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. And part of that whole issue <laughs> was this epidemic of, I don't have time for myself. I don't have time for myself. I'm a mother. I'm a business owner. I have three children. I have you know, blah, 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 husband, every, I don't have any of these things. These are relationships that are in my life. I don't own these people. Okay. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) It's just funny how we like associate ourselves with others. Um, our lives are full. All of our lives are full. And FYI, if they're not full, you're going to fill them up because that's what we do. We're addicted to busy. I think, (laughs) you know, if we compared our, our brains and like the, or sorry, if our behavioral patterns and that of like an ant, they would probably be very similar. Like if you watch them just frantically, like they're, you know, there's probably something bigger than us laughing at all of us of how frantic we are. So when I got sick, I really had to step back and I had to go through traditional medicine and try. That's a whole nother conversation about, you know, that, but I had to really ask myself, okay, I have nothing. I have no energy to spend with my children. I can barely talk. I, that's actually when I stopped screaming at my kids because, um, you know, trying to get their attention, I couldn't, I had no energy. So I'm like, can you go pick up your socks, please? And the kids are like, what? Can you pick, can you pick up your socks? Like I couldn't get, I couldn't get angry because I didn't have energy. So I started asking myself, I was a fan of Danielle Laporte at that time. And I was working in this career as a coach. Um, I don't know if I had my podcast that I don't think I had my podcast then, but I was definitely thinking about podcasting. So I was in the online space, but my, my target market was different. Um, still parents, but I was focused on the child, right? So the parent would come with the pain point and it was like, great, let's help the child. Let's help the child. Let's help the child. And then I started noticing at that time that women would say to me, I don't have time. Heather, I just don't have the energy. I don't have the patience. And so after I got sick, I realized, you know, let's get to the root of the problem. Let's stop putting a Band-Aid, you know, oh, I have a headache. Okay, take an aspirin. Let's just stop putting Band-Aids on the problem and get to the root of why do you have a headache, right? So what is the deeper root here? And then, so when I opened that can of worms after getting sick, I'm like, I started asking these women, like, what do you want? How do you want to feel? I just want to feel at peace. I want to feel content. I want to feel spacious. I want to feel free. I'm like, great. What does that look like? They're like, I have no idea. (laughs) Right. I I haven't found it yet. I don't know. But, but sometimes we have big goals like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to lose a million pounds. I want to run a marathon. I want to do whatever. Great. But why? Like, what is the feeling behind it? Well, I want to feel free. Great. What can you do today to feel free? So I had to ask myself, I want to feel alive. Like, do you know how terrifying it is to sit there and go, I think I'm going to die, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to die. Therefore, my body is paralyzed in fear. I'm scared of death. 
And what am I craving? The opposite, which is to feel alive. So how do you feel alive when you, when that's my goal and I can't leave my bed and I'm bald and I feel broken? How do I feel alive? I had to write it down. I had to write down a lot. I remember writing in my journal, alive. And then I would ask myself, when have I ever felt alive? When? I'm like, oh, damn. I don't think I've ever felt alive in my entire life, even as a child. And then I could start, uh, yeah, I could start thinking about, okay, maybe when I was on the swing set. Or maybe, oh, there was one time I was on a boat with somebody and we were going really fast. Or like all of these little tiny moments. So then I had to start recreating them in my adult life Mm -hmm. and realizing that what we're craving is not the money. It's not more vacations, even though everyone escapes for vacations and then they need a vacation from their vacation. (laughs) It's little things that bring them joy. That's it. And so I had to slowly infuse this energy back into my being. And then I realized this is energetic time management. This is it. So are you still serving the same clients you were serving just with this different approach? You said you started off with children's mental health, behavioral issues, concerns, things like that. Has this shift, the approach that you're taking with parents, does that still impact the child in the way you were impacting them before? Mm, That's a good question. So I think the impact is greater. Um, The symptoms are still the same, but maybe the value of my target market is different. So does that make sense? Like what they value, right? So if somebody values holistic health, if somebody values personal development, if somebody values um, becoming the best version of themselves to, you know, change a generational pattern, then they're going to be able to, um, they're going to want to do the work. So I did notice that where I'm like, oh, I could totally help you with this. Not everybody was willing to look at that. Mm. So before I, I got all into this because Back in the day, I used to be a social worker and I noticed, again, they were labeling, right? Which is Mm -hmm. fine. Great. Awesome. Everybody needs a label, but what are you doing about it? Right? It's like telling someone you're in debt. Okay. How do I get out of it? Thank you for telling me that. Right? Right. How, how, how do I change? And nobody was teaching the how. When these parents were looking at me going, Heather, how can I help my child with their anxiety? How can I help my child um, you know, use their words instead of not be so angry. And that's when I found meditation and mindfulness. And this, my son had issues with this as well. So I was personally learning this and then professionally trying to teach these skills. And again, nobody was teaching this stuff. Nobody. It's becoming more popular now, but nobody was talking about it back then. And that's when I noticed not everybody is willing to do the work, even though you might be able to help them. I think part of it, it reminds me of learning that when it comes to working with your ideal clients, they'll tell you what they think they need, but often that's not what they really need. So you have to like dig deeper and find, which is what it sounds like you're doing. Your clients come to you, they tell you what they think they need or what they think they want, what they want to feel. But you know that that's surface level and you've got to dig deeper 
And it doesn't always, the solution doesn't always, doesn't always look how you assume it would look. So maybe that's where the disconnect is, where, why people may be less willing to buy into the solution because it's not what they expected. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the programs that I run is called Teach Your Kid to Meditate mm-hmm. because I wanted my son to meditate. Why? Because he needed to calm down. He needed to learn how to control his energy because I couldn't handle it. So now I teach that skill and strategy in that program. But now what I do is I dive deeper into, and I say it full out to people, even before they buy the program. FYI, you got to do some of the work too, but you think you ke- your kid needs to meditate when in reality you need to meditate. When reality is you're projecting your own anger onto your child. What does that mean? You can both still be angry. But if a child says, I feel out of control emotionally, and that's what they're saying through their behavior, and you're standing there going, well, I feel out of control with my emotions, so how am I supposed to be able to help you? You're going to feel like a huge failure because you can't solve that problem. Mm-hmm. So I realized that very quickly when I, in my own life, was like, oh, my son, my son, my son, my son, and then realizing I can't teach him to do anything if I don't have that skill. So it was, yeah, it's really about, okay, my child is presenting this problem. And I see that a lot from the people who go through that program where they're like, I came in, I thought it was my issue. I started implementing the tools and strategies. And now I understand how they're both connected. And it's really hard to understand that when you're on the outside. Um, But Yeah. And there's so much more to the story, right? You pull back Mm -hmm. the layers and it's getting to the core of like, I'm not enough. I suck. I don't believe that change is possible. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. And it's totally normal. Everybody I talk to has felt that way at some point or another. It's totally normal. Yeah. Well, I love the idea of the meditation course for kids. That's something I'm just getting into meditation. I'll be honest. Like I'm a late bloomer, whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) But that's something that I think my daughter would definitely benefit from. But I can also see the importance of me getting more comfortable and confident with it before I try to introduce it to her. Because she's going to look to me for validation that what she's doing is. Well, I always say it's actually easier to teach kids than adults. People think that's crazy, but it's true because I feel like we come into this world with the awareness and mindfulness already. And then as adults, we screw up the kids, Mm -hmm. right? You need to be this way. You need to do that way. And in that program, but the way that I talk about it is like, we're co-creating this life with our children. That's it. Parents, you know, we're like, oh, I got to get my, my crap together. I need that job. I need to make this much money and and then I'll have children. Well, my parent role didn't work out like that. I kind of did everything (laughs) backwards, but Let's just say, you know, you're trying to be perfectionist about it and do it that way. The child comes into your world and just rocks your world. Like right. every every pain point or everything that you've been avoiding in your life, oh yeah, they bring it right up to the surface. I say parenting is personal growth on steroids. So it's like don't hesitate, just co-create it with her, right? Like, look what I'm doing. How can we do this together? How can you make it fun and exciting? I love that. I um, I love thinking about all of the things that I said before I was a parent 
you know, that I would never do or <laughs> how perfect my children would be. Like they would never watch TV for hours on end. Guess what they're doing right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, summertime. Yeah. Mommy's like, got a podcast to record, put on a movie. <laughs> okay. It, it's like every time I'm working, they're like, this is now when we can ask mom for the TV because she's <laughs> going to know. Right. So yeah, but why not use it in those moments when you need it rather than 24 hours a day? And it's like, okay, mom's not on the computer now. Now we're going to be together. Right. Now we're going to be present. So you use the energetic time management both in work and with your family. Mm-hmm. When you're focused on work time, what is your, what is your family doing? So sometimes they're here. Sometimes they're not here. But when that door closes and I'm in my office, I'm physically not here. Okay. That's a boundary. Again, my kids are 13, 8, and 5. So the 5-year-old, they're, I mean, I've been doing this since my youngest was in my womb. (laughs) And like, you know, literally doing like interviews with people and like breastfeeding and having them running around. So toddlers, I understand they don't have boundaries. But my five-year-old, who's almost six, he has a boundary. But sometimes they'll come in and they'll be like, mom, da 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 And I'm like, I'm busy. That's it. So I really try to have those times, those set times, like in my mindset of, okay, if I was going to a job nine to five, mom's working from 10 to one, right? At 1 p.m., then you, you know, then we will do this. So I try to let them know ahead of time, like, this is my schedule. And it depends on each kid, right? What they need from me. But this is my schedule. So at one o'clock, then what do you need? Um, Or what can we do together? And just making sure there's that alignment of like, what do I need versus what do they need? And then again, co-creating it with them. So I don't need to entertain them all the time. It's more about, um, great, let's go swimming together. Like, let's do something that we both enjoy. So what are some of your favorite tips or tools that you're using in your life to keep things kind of balanced? And I know balance is one of those trigger words, but as balanced as possible. I'm so triggered by that word. Cause I'm like, everyone's like, how do you do it all? What is it? I'm like, no one does it all. Like you just, I'm so, there's a term I, I talk about called being annoyingly intentional. Okay. So I will have my days where I'm just like, I'm not planning anything today, right? Like the weekend or sometimes during the week if I'm off and if I get anything done, it's icing on the cake, right? Like the intention is it's a slow day, just move at your own pace. But again, I go back to what's my goal, right? What what are my business goals? What are my personal goals? Like I'm very goal oriented and I never used to be that way, but the momentum that I've created in my life, I'm just forward thinking. I'm like, next step, what's coming up? Like, what can we create together? It's just never ending in my brain. And I mean, food and exercise are very, very important to me. And I've always, I've been on this journey, but I think it's because of my health background where it's like, how can I be proactive? Um, I've also noticed that food is a, makes a big impact on how I treat my children. <laughs> Hmm. If I drink, I have one coffee a day right now. There was a time where I could never drink coffee because of like, I would get gut rot and it was just awful. And my body was just so like not healthy mm-hmm. and I would drink it and I would get anxiety. And then my anxiety would turn to anger. 
And so I noticed that when I would eat healthy and whole foods, drinking lots of water, I was more content. I was more present with the kids. So I'm like, wow, when I actually eat too much sugar or drink too much caffeine, I'm actually mean. Like my mood makes a big difference. So um really challenging myself to eat clean, not just for myself and my business goals to generate more energy, but so that I can be present and like a loving human being to my kids. So that's part of my big why. Exercise for me, I mean, the how your body transforms is a side effect, but the mental clarity that it gives me, the stress reduction, again, allowing me to be present for the kids, so, so, so important. Um, and really having those boundaries. And, you know, there's kind of a grief process that goes with boundaries that nobody talks about. They just say, set boundaries, but they don't tell you when I have to like say no to all of these social events just so that I could chill at home. Um, people are like, well, what's wrong? And it's like, I just want to be, I don't want to be everywhere, everything to everybody. So there is a grief process of not everybody understands, but the people that are with you will stick with you. I hear a lot of self-care in there. That's what I hear a lot out of you. Yeah. That's another trigger word for me. That's another trigger word for me. Oh no. (laughs) Any words that are overused in this personal development world, I'm like self-care, self-love. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta really respect yourself enough to to set that those boundaries and yes, the self care. Sorry to pull out all the. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like a book of Heather's pet peeves. <laughs> no, I, I've I've recently changed my diet as well, and it's made a huge impact on my life. So I love hearing that it's not just me being crazy, that it really does. Who talks about food and mood? Like right. there's a whole there's a whole world out there who talks about food and mood, but it's not mainstream to talk no. about food and mental health or food and how you feel. Like Emotion. nobody talks yeah. about exactly your emotional health and food. Not a lot of people are talking about it. That's awesome. So you, you told me earlier that your the two main pain points of your clients are – that their children aren't listening to them Mm -hmm. and that they feel emotionally out of control. And I think we talked a little bit about that, the emotionally out of control part. But what about the children listening to you part? What are your tips for getting your children to listen to you? Because I feel like that's totally helpful as the entrepreneur too, who sometimes needs to give my kids directions to be left alone. Yes. Okay. So I'm a huge fan of the philosophy that your child's behavior is a language. Okay. So all children's behavior is a language. It's speaking to us like all human behavior, right? It's like a dog. You see a dog. You're like, Ooh, don't go near that dog. Dog is warm and inviting tails wagging approach that dog. Like we can read human behavior. It's a language. So first we need to understand that from our kids in general. I find a lot of parenting is very reactive instead of proactive, Mm -hmm. right? We're like, tell me how to get my kid to listen. Well, I could tell you how to back up a few steps so that your children actually do listen to you. And so there's one thing, children's behavior is language. The second thing is there's the red, green, and yellow zones, okay? Red zones, that's when it's like, do not talk to me. I'm going to kill you who's home. Okay. <laughs> Are, you know what that is for your child. It's a tantrum, right? You know, you waited too long to serve dinner. It's not good. 
you gave him the blue cup instead of the green cup. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Struggle's real. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yellow is right before the red, right? So that's when you're just about to grab the wrong color cup and they see it coming and you you just see them like welling up, right? That's what you're like, oh my God, they're entering their red zone. The green zone is like, you know, the conversation that you and I are having right now, like, oh yeah, this is great. It's fine. You know, the kids aren't here. It's perfect. And that's like, that's when the magic happens, right? So what happens is we go, 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 go. We're not paying attention to our kids. We're not paying attention to their yellow zone. We're not paying attention to their red zone. And then boom, we react, right? Right. You're like sitting here, you're doing whatever, the movie's on. You're like, yep. And then all of a sudden an argument breaks out and you're stressed. Crying. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do you do? You react and you're like, stop it. Why do you do this? You're on timeout. You're here. Nobody gets this. Right. This is like normal. Were you in my house? Yeah, I know. (laughs) People are like, you're in my brain, Heather. I'm like, that's because this used to be my life. (laughs) And I didn't know how to break the cycle. This used to be my life. So you have to back up. Okay. So my child is not listening to me. Okay. This gets very woo woo. Are you a fan of Byron Katie? Do you know who she is? I don't. Oh my gosh. I'm going to rock your world and probably like make you cry yourself to sleep tonight. Okay. So I apologize in advance. My child won't listen to me. Awesome. Is that true? Like, is it true that your child is not listening to you? Well, not really. They could be listening, but they're just not responding. Probably because they are so tired of you yelling at them. So they're just not, they're not listening anymore. Awesome. Great. Who would you be without that thought? This is by, this is what Byron Katie would say. Who would you be without that thought? Like that story, right? Because my child is not listening to me. That's just a story. Who would you be? How would you approach your child differently? Probably more loving and kind, right? You'd be like, hey, bud, dinner's dinner time. The child still doesn't answer, but you don't have that story. So you just like tap them on the shoulder. You're like, it's dinner time. Let's go. Like with a smile on your face. You're loving. Your energy's different, right? Right. Rather than having the story and going, Hello, are you not listening to me? Get upstairs. The energy's off. Who wants to who wants to interact with somebody like that? So we have to realize that we matter. We have to realize that how we show up energetically makes a huge difference in how our children are going to interact with us. Then this is the kicker. Byron Katie says, turn it around on yourself. I'm not listening to myself. I'm not listening to my child. I'm not listening to myself. What does that mean? Wow. Like, I'm not listening to myself. What do I need? Oh, gosh, I haven't asked myself that in 20 years, right? Not literally, but metaphorically speaking. I haven't asked myself that in 20 years. Okay, if I started listening to myself and following through with that, then your life is more in alignment so that you don't carry around these stories that, My child is not listening to me. So it's a perfect example of, you know, people want the quick fix. Heather, tell me what to do. Okay, quickly, don't be an asshole. Walk up to your child and be like, hey, bud, dinner time. Lower your voice, right? That's the quick tip. Everyone wants the quick tip, but that's the Band-Aid solution because you're still angry. So you're going, hey, bud, can you get at the dinner table, please? Because you have this like 
anger and rage under your voice and you're just putting a fake smile on your face, right? It's sarcasm. Like you can- They can smell it. Yeah. The other adult in the room knows darn well that you're pissed. Yeah. And the child does too. True. But they're not going to tell you because they're afraid of you. So it's all about alignment. It's like getting back to the core of who you are, what you were supposed to do on this earth, in this time, whatever lights you up and makes you feel really, really good. And then do that. And when you express that to the world, you can have 20 kids and yes, they will all still challenge you, but it will feel so much more manageable because you're like, I see you. I respect you as a human being. I am not this big authority and you are scum of the earth. You are a child because that's typically what, how we treat children is I am powerful. You are not. Therefore, what I say goes, even if it doesn't make logical sense because I am the adult. So when we see our children, we learn to respect them on a, like a soul to soul level. Like, you know what? How would I want to be treated right now? And on the, on the other end of that, you know, raising a teenager, my 13 year old who gets a little snippy sometimes. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to punch you in the face right now. But I don't, (laughs) I think that in my head, I go, bud, when he's back in his green zone, we need to talk about the way you spoke to me in the kitchen earlier. He's like, I know, mom, I'm really sorry. I'm like, I get it, but you can't just crap all over me all the time. Like you need to learn some coping strategies or something because I'm not tolerating that. And he gets my, I'm not tolerating that. So it's like, how do we get, you know, we need to teach people how to treat us, including our children, and they deserve just as much respect. I like that you pointed out though, that you wait till he's back in green. Mm -hmm. When they're in red, when they're in yellow, when things are escalating, you just give it time to blow. Bite your tongue, walk away, put duct tape over your mouth, do whatever you need to do, go for a walk down the driveway, um, oh, do jumping jacks, do something, earplugs, anything. In the red zone, when you're in the red zone or a child is in the red zone, you cannot solve any problems. And that's the number one feedback that I receive from people when I'm doing talks. They're like, I'm always trying to solve problems in the red zone. Jumping back another step here and you talk about how we as adults put ourselves on this pedestal. It's that because I said so. Like Mm. that was huge in my like childhood and growing up and and no disrespect to my parents, but you Mm -hmm. know, they do the best they can. You know, I can't say that I've never said that either. Like why, why, why? The reason why, because I said so, because I'm the parent, like, because I don't have the brain capacity to explain this right now. There you go. That's a better way of putting it. <laughs> so it's funny because all my kids will say that to me. And I joke around. I'm like, because I said so. And they laugh now. Like sometimes when I get angry, it the, si- the negative side effect of you know what they would call conscious parenting or compassionate parenting or whatever is that your children call you out on your stuff all the time and <laughs> and you have to say thank you like i'll get angry oh especially with a 13 year old i'll get like angry <laughs> or something today actually we had a little moment and he's like oh yeah mom yeah well look at you yell at me so when a child does that when you're in a heated moment and i'm thinking and i could catch it and i was processing and i'm like you're right. He goes, did you not like, you know, did you skip lunch or something? What's going on with you? And he's saying this to me and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I did. Yeah, I did. 
where when I first started this process, I was like, don't you dare talk to me like that. But now it's a co-creation. It's like a mutual respect. And a side effect of that, because people will say, well, what if my child is going to walk all over me? I'm like, no, there's this mutual power. Like he understands your authority, but he also respects you as a human being because he sees that you respect him as a human being. And a side effect of that, yes, they call you out on your stuff and you can't hide anywhere. But another one of that is the deep connection and relationship that you have with your child that he will tell me nine out of 10 things. Cause of course he, I'm still his mom, but right. yeah, yeah. They, there is a, I can confide in you. I can call you when I'm in a pickle. Cause I know you're not going to, you're not that scary and you really care about me. And that's the thing. The problems are going to get exponentially more serious as the, our kids get older. You know, you're, you're ahead of me. My oldest is only 10, almost 11, but I just, we were, we were all teenagers once. We know where the, where, <laughs> where the challenges are going. So yeah. to be able to establish that, that bond, that understanding now, I think that's the biggest struggle. It's something that I consistently question if I'm doing the right thing, you know, it, are our bonds strong enough to get us through those things? Cause like you said, I want my children to be comfortable to call me in those situations. Mm-hmm. And I think it gets to the the point of what you were saying of like, am I doing enough? And that used to drive me nuts and keep me up at night. Am I enough? Am I doing enough? Oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if? And the belief that kind of I had to let go of was, well, one, I'm not enough. I had to let go of that, right? So what's the opposite? I am enough. And I see parenting as this baton, right? It's a race. And, you know, my mom and dad gave me a whole bunch of baggage and I've let a lot of it go, but they did the best that they possibly could. Even not them, but you know, anyone, it's like, even if they were horrible human beings, hurt people, hurt people. Right. And so they're just, they're just giving you all their crap. And so if you were conscious enough, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, kids, I've let go of a lot of stuff that hopefully I'm not passing on to you, but I'm not perfect. And like, I'm already saving for your therapy fund. So just know (laughs) that. Forget college. (laughs) Oh, forget college. You're going to therapy first. And even if, um, even if I'm perfect, which there's no other, it does not exist. Like we need to let, oh, that's another trigger word for me is perfect. But (laughs) there's, like, I'm not perfect. There's going to be things that I can't even see and cultures are going to change and generations. And then when you have kids, I'm going to say, why would you do that? And they're like, mom, this is what people do now, right? It's going to, it's going to happen. So I'm just trying my best to become the best version of me. And that allows me to let go of so much crap that I'm handing off to my kids. So I'm like, you know what? if you get too far down the personal development rabbit hole, you know, they tell you the first seven years of a child's life, that's when all their beliefs are formed. And I'm like, well, my first child is really screwed up then because he was (laughs) like a guinea pig and I was 18 when I had him. So, oh, he's so screwed up. But then I think to myself, just be and do the best you can today. Try a little harder tomorrow. And that's it. It's a chemical equation. He could look at me and go, you inspire me. Or he can look at me and go, I'm never going to be enough because I could never, you know, be up 
to who my mother is. Like it, you're always, there's always going to be judgments and that's why we meditate. That's why we breathe. That's why we (laughs) journal. That's why whatever your thing is praying, whatever. It's like something bigger than me. Please just take this crap. I'm just, I'm just going to try to be a nice person. That's all I can do. And, and be better tomorrow than I was today. Yeah. There's just so much value, so much information. But I know that after processing all of this, we're going to want more. So where do we get more information from you? Yeah. So um, my podcast, well, it's called Mom is in Control. Check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. Um, I'm always giving tips, strategies, stories, telling my own personal things. Um, sometimes I interview people as well. So definitely first place to go. Um, or go to my website, heatherchauvin.com. Last name is spelled C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com. I have some freebies on there. Um, there's a Teach Your Kids to Meditate conference. It's a free conference um, with 18 experts in, I always say experts in quotations, in mindfulness. So people have written great books, great place to start really understanding your children's behavior. But yeah, on my website, I have other freebies too. It's like, just, just start somewhere and listen. And, and one day be like, okay, I had three cupcakes today. Tomorrow I'm only going to eat two. Like just try, try something. I'm going to have a glass of water, one more than I had yesterday. And then you'll look back six months, a year and go, oh, look how much I've grown right? We are our own worst critics, but just think about it. Wow. A year ago, I wasn't doing this. Five years ago, I would have never known how to get here. So it's amazing what happens with little tiny action steps. This has been so wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time to go through all of this. I feel like I'm totally following along and can't wait to share this with everybody I know because I feel like it's going to change the way that we approach our kids in those yellow zones mm-hmm. and how we show up in our whole lives, right? True. When you're, True. when you're a business owner on a mission, oh my gosh, when, when you're not stressed out about your kids or your life in general, like you can rock it in your business. And that's what I help a lot of people do because they're freaking out. Something is out of alignment in their personal life and it's affecting their professional life. And when things are in balance or alignment, it's so much easier for us to to feel like I'm not a fraud. I can do this. I can go for it. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you. You'll find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode, plus the show notes at megbrunson.com slash 45. Last week, we welcomed Jennifer and Miranda to the show. Jennifer Moss has over 30 years of experience in database architecture, programming, and over 20 years as an internet entrepreneur. She founded babynames.com in 1996, along with her sisters, and it's been heralded one of the top parenting websites on the internet. Jennifer has one daughter, Miranda Mendelson, who participates in the family business and also has launched her own successful beauty blog slash beauty.com while she was in college. Since then, she's become a top beauty influencer, winning Allure's most buzzworthy beauty blogger and appearing in publications like Glamour, Health, Seventeen, and other major magazines and ad campaigns. This is a really great episode where we get to ask questions of both mom and daughter and see how that dynamic really has played out through the years. If you missed it last week, make sure you go back and give it a listen. Next week, we'll welcome Brendan Allen Barrett to the show. 
Brendan is a sales trainer and the host of The Business of Family and Selling, a podcast that unpacks sales leadership best practices that family-first sellers can leverage to develop their sales talent and grow revenue while maintaining a healthy balance of work and family life. I don't know about you, but sales definitely isn't my strong suit. And Brendan really helps break down some sales best practices. So if that's an area where you struggle, make sure you don't miss that one. It's a good one. Lots of info in there. Subscribe to the podcast now so that you don't miss it. And I hope you guys have a great week. I will see you soon. Bye. Do us a favor. Share this podcast to a friend. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring.